Welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood with you in the special edition of our podcast. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave five stars and a review. That always helps the algorithms of the podcast. So leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on Google Play. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, thanks so much for downloading the podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. You know, one of the th- things about this podcast is I, I don't want to make these podcasts two and three and four hours long. There's a number of those podcasts that are out there that are just endless, right? And I don't know who really has time outside of just sitting at their desk listening to long-form podcasts to just take all that in all at once. So we'd like to keep these an hour, hour 15 at most. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why I did not attach my thoughts about Jim Cornette to our last podcast I did with Josh Lopez for Hood and Lopez as we reviewed AEW versus NXT. The same thing with the Lacey Evans interview. Lacey Evans, WWE superstar, part of Survivor Series in Chicago. I want to make that a standalone as well. I want to be able to have... Long-form thoughts about Jim Cornette and his comments that he made on National Wrestling Alliance television. And for those that did not hear what Jim said and the reason why that Twitter just melted after the airing of NWA Power this past Tuesday on YouTube, let's go back in time and hear what Jim was saying during a match with NWA champion Nick Aldis as he took on Trevor Murdoch. This seriously is he is he might should. Trevor Murdoch he's mad, bad, and dangerous to know. He's the only man I've ever known that can strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. Trevor Murdoch can take care of himself. That's the clip from NWA Power on YouTube. This is during a match where Trevor Murdoch was taking on Nick Aldis and Jim Cornette dropped that line. The same line he used on Big Bubba Rogers during World Championship Wrestling back in the day in the 80s. He's used that line before during a Bob Backlund match in the 90s with the WWF. And he used it here in 2019 on NWA Power. For context... Jim Cornette is one of the four best managers in the history of wrestling for me as a wrestling fan. For me, the Mount Rushmore of wrestling managers are Bobby Heenan, Jimmy and Gary Hart, and Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette, next to Jimmy Hart, are just some of the greatest talkers ever in the business as far as trying to get themselves over and get their team over. Never seen anything quite like what Jim Cornette brings to the table as a manager. It's really amazing. And again, Jimmy Hart's very close as well. But JC talks so fast and he gets so many things in within a two minutes or three minutes when he had to do interviews. And he was terrific at it. I think Lou Albano was good. And I think that uh, Johnny Valiant was good. But they were just talking a lot of gobbledygook. And you really couldn't understand half the things they were saying. But I think that Jim Cornette and Jimmy Hart in particular really knew how to get their talent over. And so I've been a big fan of Jim for a long time. 
I'm a fan of Jim and his podcast. He does a great job on those podcasts with Brian Last. I guess you can call me like a Cult of Coronet member because of my fascination with the Midnight Express and Jim Coronet for a long, long time. When people ask me, who's your favorite tag team? My favorite tag team is the Midnight Express. And that could be Eaton and Condry or Eaton and Stan Lane. Either way, the Midnight Express were over with me when I first saw them, read about them in the magazines, and watched them over the years. Always been a big fan of that presentation. I've never really agreed 100% with the thoughts from Jim when it comes to his politics or some of his thoughts on modern wrestling or culture. But here's the thing. It's okay because you don't have to agree with someone 100% in order to be able to like what they do or listen to their thoughts, agree or disagree. This was what makes us human, right? I don't know if anyone should listen to someone and say, 100% I agree exactly what you're saying. Because I think we all should be critical thinkers. Everybody's not a critical thinker, but I think that we all should be able to listen and say, yeah, I like what this person says, or yeah, but I like this person saying this, but, right? So with Jim Cornette, I root for him because of what he brought to the table for me as a wrestling fan, going to the arena, seeing the Midnight Express, watching them on television over the years. So I've always been a Jim Cornette and Midnight Express fan. The joke that he made, as you just heard there, about kids in Ethiopia and fried chicken is an old, tired joke. It's a joke that might have gotten over. It might have worked in the 70s and 80s in the early 90s, but doesn't get over today. It just does not. I'm not easily offended by anything, quite frankly, because there are some things that I say that I'm sure that people are not happy with, some jokes that I might make that people may not be happy with. But I don't think that joke was funny in the 80s. I don't think that joke is funny now. I thought it was tasteless and I thought it was along racial lines. And I just don't understand why Jim Cornette decides that, you know what, the same line I'm going to put out there on Big Baba Rogers from the 80s, I'm going to do now. Why would you do that? Just because you are in a studio that's dressed like it's 1979 doesn't mean that you have to do commentary like it's 1979. So I am totally denouncing Jim Cornette for that line, for him saying that, because I I cannot say I'm a fan of Jim and then go along with that. That was a bad joke when I heard it in the 80s. And it's one of those things where you have to understand your audience. People always use the term political correctness, right? I say on my shows on ESPN 1000 over the years that it's not about being politically correct. It's just about being correct. You have to understand and realize your environment around you. Because in 2019, whether you're easily offended by things or not, whether you stand for causes or not, you have to understand the climate in which you are in right now. If you're so old or if you're so unaware of what is going on around you, then you shouldn't have a microphone in front of you. You you really shouldn't, especially on a national broadcast. Yeah, it's YouTube, but it's shown all over the world. And there's going to be some that says, oh, just an old joke, you know, let it go. It's just Jim. No, it's not. You know, that doesn't work for me. It does not work for me. And here's why. Not along racial lines as much as it is just as a broadcaster. 
Imagine Troy Aikman saying that on Fox. Imagine Chris Collinsworth saying that on NBC. Imagine you're hearing that from Jeff Van Gundy on NBA broadcast. You know that wouldn't work, so why should it work in pro wrestling? There's been so many of these tired jokes and wrestlers and wrestling promoters poking at African-American wrestlers or poking fun racially in professional wrestling. And race should have nothing to do with pro wrestling, but it has over the years. Way too much. It's one thing to talk about a body type. It's one thing to talk about a personality, someone's voice, how they can't wrestle, how they can wrestle. Those, I think, are above board. But I just think that just rolling that line out is just something that is just so passe. Something that even wasn't cool back in the day is something that shouldn't be said right now. So I denounced Jim Cornette for the comments that he made as a fan of Jim Cornette. And and here's the thing. There will be some that will listen to this and say, well, what's the big deal? And here's where you've got to understand. It's not about black people. It's not just about white people or people of a different skin tone or a different ethnic group. Point is, is that it's not about political correctness. It's just about being correct, right? Why use that line to get Trevor Murdoch over? Of all things, why that line? Why that line to get Big Bubba Rogers over? It's just one of these things where in the 80s, yeah, no one's going to stop him from saying that because black people or those of color that's associated with fried chicken was something that was talked about a ton in wrestling to try to get heat. You know, if it's a white wrestler against a black wrestler, of course, they're going to use everything that they could come up with. To try to get themselves over as a heel. As Jerry Lawler. Just go to YouTube and type in Jerry Lawler versus Coco Ware. Or uh, matches from the past where someone would say something racial to try to get themselves over. And at that time it was accepted because it drew money. You're not drawing a dime by talking about Ethiopia and fried chicken on the NWA platform in 2019. That does nothing for Trevor Murdoch. It does something for Jim because he thinks that it's funny he can get get away with it, but it does nothing for the NWA. That's the whole point of it. If you're not going to make money with your words in on that platform, then what is the point? If you're not pushing the wrestlers and you're using lines like that, what did that do for anything, for a, a world title match with Nick Aldis? Did nothing for it. So I just have a, a huge problem with that. I also have a huge problem with Dave Lagana. Dave Lagana, who's been a frequent guest in this program, who is the vice president of the National Wrestling Alliance, the new refurbished National Wrestling Alliance, is a producer for these NWA shows. He is at fault for allowing this to go on air. How do you not edit that out? And... The explanation, we're going to hear from Jim in a minute. Jim Cornette will talk about this, long form. Dave Lagana is just like, well, people on Twitter are pretty pissed about it, so I, you know, the line got past me. Well, you're the producer. Believe me, in 2019, on the radio shows I do on ESPN 1000, the shows that I do on SiriusXM, the producer thing is a problem. Producers are the last line of defense before stuff goes on air. And Yes, the talent 
is at fault for using that line. The producer also is at fault for allowing that line to go on. If Dave's so sensitive about certain issues in our society, how come that line about a bucket of chicken and, and people that are starving in Ethiopia got past him? Because he's not sensitive to it. But yet, he's sensitive to people on Twitter. Well, Twitter blew up about it, so, Jim, we got to do something about this. Wait a minute. You need to do something about it as a producer. How do you allow that line to go in? I have producers that I work with. They have their hand on the dump button on my radio shows like it's a freaking game of family feud. They're ready to hit that buzzer anytime, hit, hit that button in case I say something that's out of line. They don't have to use it very often with me, not on the radio. But the point is, is that Dave Lagana is at fault for allowing this to go on because he's the last line of defense. And also, Jim Cornette for using that line. Even Jim, even Jim, who is as old school as old school can be, has to understand what he's doing where he's at. He's sitting in that old that studio that looks like it's 1979. He's like, oh, I can use this line again. No, you can't. No, you can't. And we're going to hear from Jim now because Jim Cornette is going to somewhat apologize for uh, what he said on the air on his podcast. I want to wait until Friday afternoon as I record this to hear Jim's comments before I gave my comments. So I heard his podcast and his take on what happened. Let's go back now and hear from the Jim Cornette experience. Jim Cornette with Brian Last as Jim explains thoroughly what happened. Was he fired? Was he not fired? Let's find out here. Um, Tuesday evening, I'm about 6.05. <clears throat> I was trying to be a, a good boy, so I, I tweeted, retweeted, the NWA tweet that Power was about to come on the air, and there was a great match between Trevor Murdoch and Nick Aldis. That was in the, the picture, the feature of the twit. The twit, the twit, the tweet. Yeah, it's not the twit. <clears throat> yes, there was no, there was no twits involved. Um, but anyway, so I tweet, I retweet that, so everybody will know to watch. And then I go downstairs, because I've got a bunch of Cornette's collectibles to do. And I, about 7.30 or so, the phone rang. And I looked, I saw it was David Lagana because I still had my phone downstairs. I'd been making a phone call, didn't put it back in the office. So I answer it, and it's a dial tone. And I'm like, what the, maybe he ass dialed me. <clears throat> so I, I call him right back and immediately get his voicemail, like his phone's turned off. I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck, but hey, David, tried to get back with you. Uh, you know, I'm going to have dinner. Good evening. I do say good day, whatever the fuck, right? And I put phone back in the office and I go back downstairs and I eat and I finish Cornette's collectibles and I have a nice night's sleep and I get up on Wednesday morning and I sit down to computer and I have broken the goddamn world. And <clears throat> apparently I trended on Twitter. I was I mean, the notifications on my Twitter page were just it was just ludicrous. I couldn't begin to go through all that shit. And everybody is screaming Either court you horrible human being, I hope they put you on a fucking, you know, stake and set you on fire in the town square, you motherfucker. I'm like, what in the fuck? And then other people go, well, it, I don't know what you're fucking so mad about. Everybody's making a big deal. He, he made a joke. I'm like, what the fucking joke? <laughs> and I go, and then I see, I, I also, I see that the NWA it took 
the program down off YouTube after it aired and edited it to take five seconds of audio out and put it back up and issued a statement basically saying we strongly apologize for the offensive remarks made by one of our talents. And Brian, you know what it was, but I'm doing this buildup because some people that live under a rock and have not been bombarded by this may not actually know what this fucking uproar was about. It was because during the match between Trevor Murdoch and Nick Aldis, I used the joke that I first coined for Big Bubba Rogers. Murdoch is so tough, he could strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. That's what happened. This is why I broke Twitter again. I told a 30-year-old Ethiopian joke about starvation. So anyway, I'm like, what in the fuck is going on in the world? So right as I'm <clears throat> trying to digest all this, the phone rings. It's 8.30 in the morning, and it's David Lagana. I said, what in the fuck is going on? And he tells me that, uh, obviously, the uh, all-elite wrestling, cosplay, wrestling, fanboy, fangirl contingent immediately after the show was over started tweeting about this and creating an uproar like I had been describing my favorite bestiality videos on a fucking live broadcast. This was the level of fucking hatred. And the other people are going, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a joke. We get it. He's told it before for 30 fucking years. It's about hungry people. And Big Bubba, or in this case, Trevor Murdoch. So, at any rate, David is talking about, well, an apology and a statement and this and that. And to back up a couple weeks, it was just two or three weeks ago, and people can find the program on the YouTube channel if they want to listen to it, where we discussed the controversy where David had called me one morning and said, Jim, did you tell somebody to kill themselves? I said, no. Did, did you did you make fun of suicide? I said, no. He said, then why is everybody saying you did? I said, because they're saying it on Twitter. And it was the same instance. <laughs> well, we got to put out a statement. I said, how can I apologize for something I didn't say? That these fucking people are mad because I don't like their favorite wrestler have said I said. And they're butthurt. And they take it the wrong way. And they just try to get offended. I said, so I can't apologize because I didn't say that. However... You can certainly reprimand me for it, which you are, and tell me how serious you're taking it, which you are. And then that that's the statement they put out. And then we did the program. <clears throat> Brian, you and I, where I basically said I will continue not to do those things that I didn't do. That was what, about three weeks ago? Uh, that sounds about right. I don't remember. Some, somewhere around there. Yeah. So anyway, in this case... I said, David, this was a taped show. I said, what did you think about it when you heard it? He said, well, it went right past me. I said, you think? I said, I, uh, what, if, why was there this level of, well, they were so upset on Twitter. I said, <laughs> that's another thing I talked about with him before. If you 
give these people the idea that every time they complain about something, you'll just jump around apologizing, whether it was said or whether it was meant in a bad way or whatever the fuck, then they will do it all the time. And he's already proven that he will do that. That was brought up. And also I mentioned, I don't appreciate, as I said, one of our talents making an offensive statement or offensive comments like I was fucking, the level of disgust is like I was boiling babies to sacrifice in service of Satan on live television. <clears throat> and I said, I, I don't appreciate being grouped in all these apologies for shit that I'm not necessarily sorry for, which we'll get to in a second. Because there's levels of fucking importance that these things should be assigned. And I'll tell you exactly where I thought, I want to tell you where the joke came from. And truthfully and honestly, as I mentioned to you yesterday, I can't remember whether I stole it or not. Somebody said it might be Richard Pryor, but we couldn't find evidence of that. I always remember that I made it up because in the 80s, as you might not recall, because you're not very old, everybody was telling Ethiopian jokes because it was huge news on a mainstream basis. That was... <laughs> what was it? it wasn't we are the world it was we are live aid live aid was for the ethiopian famine every comic on television was making ethiopian jokes every kid in school was making ethiopian jokes and i remember the first time that i said it because i was in the car with big bubba rogers and because when bubba rode with us we would always drop our cars off to holiday and on woodlawn in charlotte right and take whoever's car was driving and right next to it was off was a uh, Bojangles chicken where we would often get chicken. So I may very well have been have just finished eating some chicken. <clears throat> but I hit him with because I'm always looking for ways to fucking get Bubba over on goddamn television in the promos. Big Bubba Rogers is so bad he could ride a strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. Number one, the motor scooter is there for the preposterous visual. Because he's not necessarily going to be in an armored car. Elsewise, he wouldn't be in much danger. He's completely, as somebody, as several people on Twitter actually deconstructed this joke, as in the comic principles. You've got a large man who's so tough that he's unafraid to take food to a famine, famine-ravaged location. You've got a preposterous visual means of transportation. And somebody said, well... <clears throat> if he hadn't have said chicken, it'd have been fine. Well, it's a chicken. A bucket of chicken sounds funnier. It's funnier visual than a fucking plate of sushi or a goddamn ham sandwich. So it just happened to be that because that was funny. And then because Ethiopia was noted for a place where everybody's fucking starving. It's a starvation joke, not a race joke. Starvation. Starvation's a hilarious topic. But everybody was doing them. <clears throat> so the point is, whether it's a good joke or a bad joke, and I'm going to let you express your opinions here in a few minutes, Brian, because I know, I know you have some, and you'll share them with us. But whether it's a good joke or a bad joke, it was a joke that has been told on TBS, USA Network, broadcast television stations across America, over in, in uh, over a variety of locations for the past 30 years. 
Somebody, as a matter of fact, even found a 1995 fucking Superstars taping where I was doing color on a Bob Backlund match and fucking used it in the process of doing something I don't know what. <clears throat> but it boggles the mind that somebody could find that on command. Like, oh, Cornette told a joke all the hundreds and thousands of hours of WWF programming I've been on. But anyway, the point is, a, pro of a joke that's been told over a period of decades on multiple broadcast platforms subtly and good for YouTube. I said, not only besides the fact that when I said it, Joe Galley was sitting next to me, he didn't clutch his heart and fall over or shit his pants. Nobody in the control room th thought to pull the plug like they did when I mentioned Ronnie and the Challenger. Um, nobody remarked on the comment afterwards. And in the six weeks that it's, the show's been sitting in the can and then gone through the editing process and got ready for broadcast, nobody thought to bring it up. So when I asked Dave, I said, what'd you think when you heard it? He said, well, it went right past me. You think? Because nobody thought anything about it that had heard it. Because it's a fucking old joke. And now the degrees of these things, if anywhere during that process, if when I had said it, the producer, one of whom is Dave Lagana, but there's a variety of people that can talk to us on our headsets, had said, oh, Jim, don't say that. Okay, sorry. If after the show, well, we're going to have to take that one joke out. Okay, fine. Sorry to make you have extra work, right? If anybody called me up, and said, Jim, you told that joke. Yeah, I've told it a bunch of times. Well, it's racist. Okay, I didn't know that. Because I was thinking it was fucking funny because the people in Ethiopia were hungry. I was a big fan of the Starvin' Marvin episode of South Park also. You ever see that one, Brian? Starvin' Marvin? I have, yes. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people thought that was funny too. Anyway, if anybody had called me and said, oh, we've got to take it out, I said, okay. I wouldn't have realized. Thank you for bringing it up. I won't use it again. Sorry to cause you extra work. Up to and including, as I was thinking about it that morning, and, and I... Here's one thing about... I, I do apologize when I feel bad about some things, and I've apologized to Dave Lagana because when I started going over some of these things, and the fact that I'd mentioned it when you start fucking apologizing for everything because these people that don't even watch the show and just don't like me start whining about shit then they know they've got you and all these other things you know this experience brian when i'm talking about something to somebody that pisses me that that this thing is pissing me off and i'm describing more of it i tend to wind myself up i've never done that at you you and i have never had a crossword but i have done it at you about others right certainly <laughs> so i did apologize because the more i started talking about this with Dave, I ended up, I didn't go full on fuck you, uh, but I did get very terse and quit and hung up on him. So I apologized since then for hanging up on him. But that was the thing, the degree of this thing. If their statement, if instead of taking the thing down and issuing the statement that it sounds like that I was in favor of sodomizing the nuns at the fucking convent or some just unspeakably horrible shit. 
to get everybody to jump on it even further and to call attention to it if instead a statement had been put out or he couldn't get me so the next morning i would have chimed in on this whatever the fuck hey one of the announcers told an old joke that was probably in poor taste and we missed it in editing and we sure do apologize and we won't do that again i could pretty much be on board with that too especially since uh, I'm not trying to bury him. Dave's the one that edited the show, and he's the one writing the apology. And he didn't include himself. He just didn't mention me by name, but I think everybody knew who he's talking about. And suddenly this was a shock to everybody that this line was in this program that multiple people have heard and nobody gave a shit about. So that was my issue there. Another of the issues... was that, to be honest, this was rapidly, as I said to him, I think the quote was, not becoming not fun anymore. For anybody, I'm sure they don't want to go through this shit. But the only reason I was doing this program, it was not as a a career, it was because I like the NWA, I like old-fashioned wrestling, I wanted to help the program and have some fun. I was being compensated, but this is not going to affect my standard of living. It was about just doing something once in a while that was contributing to a program that's actually trying to do wrestling. So if it ain't fun for me, because I got to put up with every, every two weeks being asked to apologize for shit that I'm either not sorry for because I didn't say, or I'm not sorry for to the degree that people are goddamn wanting me fucking stuck up the ass with a goddamn fucking telephone pole and swung around downtown I'm not that sorry because it was a joke and if you don't like the joke that's fine and I'd even apologize for a bad joke but this goddamn feedback was above and beyond the offense and I didn't mean it in any racist way for fuck's sake I think the people that took it instantly as racist think that must be the only thing on people's minds when they think of black people and chicken which that's a whole nother issue that you got because i'm going for starving marvin you didn't like the fucking joke did you no i thought the joke at best is a outdated joke uh that's maybe at best the best thing i could say about it. i don't okay. i don't like the joke i think that obviously in 2019 but probably even further back than that Unless you're a heel manager trying to generate heat for your big bodyguard, it's probably best to avoid a joke equating African, well, I was about to say African-Americans, in this case, Africans, uh, with fried chicken because of this reaction. But It's a tasty food, though. I eat a bunch of it myself. But yes, I understand what you're saying. But here's the problem, because I in no way was going in that thinking in that direction it was a surprise to me when, and I also, because as I said, I've said it multiple times on multiple programs governed by the FCC. Nobody's ever said a goddamn, as a matter of fact, <laughs> fans at the fan fest, especially in Charlotte, 20 years after the fact have come up to me talking about big Bubba and talking about that line and laughing. So it was on my mind. It, we did four hours of television off top of my head And boy, after the thousands of hours of television that I've done, if you think I don't repeat some, well, you're you're fucking crazy. 
So the thoughts there from Jim Cornette on the Jim Cornette experience. You can hear his podcast in its entirety on the MLW Network. So you heard what he had to say. And again, as someone who is a Jim Cornette and Midnight Express fan, I will reiterate that I'm not easily offended by much. But the point is, is that I respect those that are offended by things that are said like that. It is completely unnecessary in my view. Completely unnecessary. If you notice, as Jim tried to explain this, right, a lot of what he was saying was stuff from the past. Oh, the Charlotte Fan Fest, 25 years ago, they love what I said about Big Bubba Rogers. Well, probably the Charlotte Fan Fest, they probably did like that. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that support Jim for making that comment. The point is, is it's about being self-aware. It's one thing to be the oldest of old school. I consider myself old school in some instances, but not so old school that I can just go around just saying old, tired phrases on the air, things that are racially sensitive, things that are, are around the lines of race, and think, well, since it got over in 1979, I can do this now. You can't. You can't do it. Because we're trying to improve as a people. Even though social media and other corners of our society is trying to get us away from that, to get into the gutter, to be able to go back to those days, I just refuse to go there. I refuse to go back to those days. Because I think that we could be better. And Jim is not interested in trying to be better. Jim is there for the comedy that worked for him back in the day and thinks that it's going to get over in 2019 and does not. This is why he's no longer working with the National Wrestling Alliance. Sounds like he hung up on Dave Lagana and said, this is not fun for me anymore. Well, I guess it's not fun when you have no second act. And what I mean by that is the things that got me into watching Jim in the, in the 80s and the 90s, um, the funny things that he would say back then, yeah, I'm sure that he's using a lot of that now in 2019. I hear his podcast. He's a lot, a lot of those lines that he used in the 80s. But the thing that keeps you relevant is not the jobs that you work. What keeps you relevant is how you can be able to modernize your act, modernize yourself as a personality. If you feel that that's not important, then you just go about life with your head up your ass. But clearly, Jim has walked around this world with his head up his ass, not understanding enough. He probably understands some, but not enough to be able to say, okay, what I'm going to do is stay away from race and religion and just be able to get these wrestlers over. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And you don't have to be from Ethiopia or be someone from overseas or someplace else to be able to understand that. It's as simple as that. We're not going to talk about race. We're not talking about religion. And we're going to just focus on what's in the ring. We will uh, continue to make jokes. And if we have to, where it's needed. But in order for us to be a different product, we're just going to focus on the personalities, make fun of the personalities, or have a fun at the expense of personalities, but not to the point where you're using old, tired jokes like that one. And so that that's really unfortunate. Something else about Jim Cornette I want to point out too. And 
this podcast is not for those that hate Jim Cornette. I know some people that follow me on Wrestling TWT or follow me on Twitter at, at TweetJHood uh, cannot stand Jim Cornette because of his views on professional wrestling in 2019 because of the modern day wrestling, because there's some things that Jim says that pisses off the audience. And I have said already this year on Twitter that some do not understand that Jim is just trying to poke the bear. He's trying to get all elite fans or independent wrestling fans uh, hot at him because the more upset that you are about what Jim says, the more he's, he's going to get the more popularity for his podcast, the more people will continue to listen. It, it's just kind of human nature, right? As a radio personality, there are times where I've, I've no, believe me, I know I've said some things that people have not liked. Well, the people that don't like me or don't like my personality, those are the ones that listen the most. <laughs> Uh, which is kind of strange, right? But that is like the essence of hater. When you hear that term hater, right? People, uh, they don't like you, whatever you say, whatever you do, how you look, all that kind of thing. But at the same time, they always want to listen because they want to find something to fuel that hate. And so I think the same thing with Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette, I think, has said some things tongue-in-cheek about All Elite Wrestling and, and cosplay wrestling, as he talked about there in that clip and all that other stuff, to try to get people riled up. Because at his core, he is a heel. And he's us- utilizing those heel skills, heel skills, <laughs> heel skills, that's it. I think I, I got it right the third time, um, to get people riled up, right? So... I, I don't know. I, I will say this about Jim. And that is this. When you have a problem in creative behind the scenes at the WWE, when you have a problem with management at WCW, when you have a problem with some of the talent in OVW, when you don't last long enough at Ring of Honor, when you are in and out of TNA, not once but twice, and a lot of this is Vince Russo fueled. I get this, right? The the TNA stuff is and the Impact Wrestling stuff is a lot of it is Vince Russo um, from the the past. When you are no longer working for the NWA, when you are working with MLW and now you're not working with MLW because of issues behind the scenes where you're running a promo class filled with wrestlers that want to learn more about promos and all of a sudden the next day no one's in class because of you, sometimes you have to look in the mirror. Sometimes you have to look and say, man, is it me? What can I do to be able to be more appealing if these are the areas I want to go into? Hey, I want to be a color analyst for the NWA or for MLW or be able to work behind the scenes or ROH. These are the things that Jim wanted to do. Yes, it's no question that these companies came to Jim and asked Jim, do you want to work? And Jim said yes. The only way Jim works for them is if he doesn't, if he says yes. So he says, has said yes to all of these things. And everyone has a resume. Everyone has a past. But do you notice how tumultuous it is every single place? Sometimes you have to look in the mirror. 
No, it's Dave Lagana, and it is on Dave Lagana for not editing it properly. No, MLW. No, it's on Match Warner. I don't like. I don't like that kind of wrestling. TNA. Oh, well, you know, it's uh, Greg the Office Boy, and the way they do business. OVW. Ah, uh, you know that Milan Miracle guy. That that guy, a major problem. I had to slap him in the face, and because he wasn't taking the business seriously. Ah, uh, Vince Russo, pain in my ass. Ah, uh, Dixie Carter, she was awful. Ah, uh, that Jim Hurd. Ah, uh, that Vince McMahon. Ah, uh, it's always something, right? Always something. It's part of his legacy. It's part of his charm that he's been up and down the roads of professional wrestling behind the scenes. The best Jim Cornette is on-air Jim Cornette as a manager. That has been the height of his career. And um, it's, it's really unfortunate because, as I mentioned, I'm a huge Jim Cornette fan. But when you see things like this, it just adds fuel to the fire for those that just don't like him. So as someone that is a fan of his, I will tell you, I do not like what he said. I think that that's something that should have been edited out, but it's something that Jim shouldn't have said. And it is, uh, it's, it's really bad. And it's also fuels people that pulls up clips that Jim has said in the past racially where people will match what you're about to hear versus what he said on NWA. Obviously, they weren't there looking. 
have been so much harder for him to be noticed. Anyway, so they start yelling at Jimmy, and Jimmy just looks up and says, you know, start doing this deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they come over the edge of the bleachers. Well, the Bruce Brothers look back, and they, they didn't come, they, they didn't get Jimmy, but the Bruce Brothers look back and see Jimmy go around the corner. Moments later, see four black guys go over the fucking edge of the bleachers and thought, oh shit, so here they come. Here, Jim Cornette and the N-Word. We'll put that whole YouTube racist rant right there in the description of this podcast. When keeping it real goes wrong, right guys? Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Well, as I mentioned to you before, continue to follow along on Twitter, Instagram at WrestlingTWT. And also the YouTube page, YouTube.com. And uh, next week, by the way, I don't know if I've said this or not. Next Tuesday, the 26th, as we record this, the 26th of November, AEW's own John Moxley will be on the program. 
John Moxley. I'll get a chance to talk to him as AEW comes to the Sears Center in Chicagoland on the 27th. So on the 26th, you'll hear my conversation with John Moxley, getting his thoughts on being an AEW wrestler and some other things that's going on in his mind. Who knows what's going on in the mind of John Moxley. So we'll talk to him. That'll be part of our special show, as we always do, on the 26th of uh, November, uh, right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Thanks so much, as always, for listening, and talk to you soon right here on TWT. 